Hello and welcome to the Pattern Key Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line as he does every week is Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? I'm going pretty well, Winno, and um, yeah, just kudos to you for getting uh, getting out of bed for, for this episode. I know you've been flat out uh, crook all week, and uh, I'm sure you can go and give us a bit of a description of what's been going on, but yeah, just real bravery from you to, to get back on the airwaves after a everything you've endured over the past uh, couple of days. Oh, no doubt, Caddy. This is my Jordan flu game. I've, uh, I've come back <laughs> off my deathbed. Yes, I unfortunately tested positive to to COVID a few days ago, mate. It hasn't been too bad, to be to be brutally honest. I've had a, been a bit bit sore, a bit scratchy, but uh, nothing too nothing too major, mate. I've been pretty lucky. So, no, I've, uh, I think I can battle on and and, uh, and get this out to the legion of our fans, Caddy, because they were, they were very disappointed that we didn't record on our usual Sunday night uh, slot. So uh, <laughs> this will sort of hold them over, Caddy, hopefully for the rest of the week. Yeah, that's right. With school and uh, most people back at work now, the traffic certainly in Melbourne and around the areas has picked up. So those in their cars listening need, need some content. So I could really yeah, feel for those that were hanging out for their Monday morning fix. But um, yeah, hopefully we can fill it in for them for tomorrow. And no, and no doubt, Caddy, you're very happy to have the, the, the kids back at school, mate, free up a bit of time and allow you to get back into the office and stop the homeschooling or, or whatever the hell you've been doing with them. <laughs> oh, definitely. So, no, I think it was probably really a bit of a relief more than anything that they, that they were going back. I probably had my doubts that it was going to happen most of the summer, but, um, yeah, to get them out and um, back to school with all their friends and, and learning um, in the face-to-face environment, I think um, – is good for everybody. So, yeah, hopefully we they get a clean run at things this year. But uh, yeah, definitely frees up the rest of the day for, for me and Bree, for sure. No doubt. And even though they're subjected to more testing than Olympic athletes just to uh, to learn their uh, their ABCs, hopefully uh, the school year can go off without a hitch for all the parents out there, mate, who have endured a, a tough couple of years. Well, Caddy, we, uh, we had some news during the week. Well, the big news that we had during the week was the announcement of the All-Star starters. And we... We had selected our uh, all-star teams over the last couple of weeks, and they did announce, as I said, the starters. We'll, we'll start with the Eastern Conference. The the guards were Demar Derozan and Trey Young, so not a lot of surprise there. And also in the front court, we had Kevin Durant, Giannis Embiid, and Joel and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid. Uh, Kevin Durant was the named the captain for the Eastern Conference, but it was more so in the Western Conference where. A bit of controversy erupted. We had LeBron James again named as captain of the Western Conference All Stars. Nikola Jokic was also was also named in the front court spot. Uh, the two guards were Stephen Curry and Ja Morant, and that last front court spot, which caused a bit of controversy, went to Andrew Wiggins surprisingly. And when we picked our teams, Caddy, neither of us selected Andrew Wiggins. And you mentioned obviously that he was in third spot uh, because of the the fan vote, but. I must admit, I was absolutely staggered that he was voted in as a starter, despite the fact that he was, you know, was uh, third in the fan voting. Did it did it surprise you that he did end up catching that uh, that last starter spot in the front court? Yeah, look, I, I think it was probably a surprise that you know when you you hear it, you know, read out that all the starters that he was in there, it just didn't feel entirely right that he was in in that mix of, of players. But um, yeah, I think the the writing was probably on the wall a little bit with that last addition of the fan votes and had him you know, pretty comfortably in that third position. And then, you know, uh, looking at the, the players and media votes, it, you know, very limited voting that went his way, but it's obviously enough weighted votes in all to uh, to get him into that slot. And I think, um, you know, when I think I had Carl Anthony Towns in, in that um, in that spot, you had Rudy, Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert was the next 
uh, would, would have been the next one on, on the list. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, certainly didn't get as many of the, the media votes as I probably anticipated. And, and Wiggins, um, yeah, got the nod and, and came out and played a, has played a pretty good few games since then. But yeah, still probably the luckiest uh, all-star starter that we can probably remember for, for some time. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's there was there was some news that was floating around that it had something to do with a with a K-pop star. Apparently, there's there's a K-pop star called Bam Bam that uh, that uh, the Golden State Warriors have sort of uh, got a connection going with. And on the day where there, there's sort of days nominated where where Twitter votes count for double, he tweeted out to his few hundred million followers to <laughs> to to vote for um Andrew Wiggins. So I think that was the reason he got so many fan votes because as you said he, he ranked third in the fan in the fan voting. He was fifth in the player ranking and sixth in the media ranking. So that was the reason he was able to hold on to that to that last starting spot. Draymond Green ranked third in the player ranking and fourth in the media ranking. And Rudy Gobert was fourth in the player ranking and third in the media ranking. So there just wasn't enough there for them to be able to close that gap, given that the fan voting is is fifty percent uh, is worth fifty percent. So, yeah, yeah, just very interesting. L- let's say that Wiggins wasn't voted an All Star starter. The the reserves are actually decided by the the coaches, or probably more so their assistant coaches. I can't see Greg Popovich uh, filling out one of those ballots. But do, do you reckon Andrew Wiggins would have actually made the team as a reserve when the coaches voted for that? I still think he'd probably be on the outside looking in. Um, I think when you look at it, uh, Draymond Green will, will, I still think, make it. You know, let's, let's hope he can get back playing uh, very soon. So if the Warriors were going to be rewarded for their start to the season, I think, you know, two players would, would be probably more than fair enough for them, but certainly not three. And, um, and as you know, Wiggins has had, had a fair season, as we've mentioned. He's averaging the 18 points a game, four rebounds, two assists. But then it's, they're not really up there with what you'd expect um, an all-star calibre player to be putting up. And I think that the competition that's in there um, in the Western Conference, I think, you know, he, he still would have missed out um, on an all-star gig. But, um, you know, all credit to him. You know, he, he started the season, you know, uh, with a lot of doubt around his availability he was in the Corrie Irving camp of being um, not looking to get vaccinated, but eventually decided to change his mind around that. And that certainly paid off for him and the Warriors because he has been, um, as we mentioned, a really solid contributor, a real key part of what they're doing and has now earned himself a, an all-star starting gig. And, um, yeah, I think at the start of the year he would have shaken his head if someone said that that was going to be the outcome for him. But, uh, yeah, certainly a good decision in the end to get, get that those vaccinations in the arm. Yeah, no doubt. You would have got pretty long odds at that stage, wouldn't you? As you said, there was a huge sort of question mark hanging over whether he was going to do it or not. And, you know, full credit to him, he's done it. And and now he's he's playing in his first All-Star game as a starter. So, yeah, very interesting. I thought it was interesting too that we've seen the top seed in, in the West, Phoenix, and the top seed in the East, Miami. N- neither, of, neither of those teams had an, an All-Star starter. So, not that the team record always comes into play, but I'd, I'd say that would be pretty unusual for both conferences' uh, top seeds to not have an all-star starter. So I think the reserves are announced in the next week or so, so it'll be interesting to see who makes the those uh, those rosters in the end, and, and no doubt there'll be some injury replacements as well, as well, given that Durant could potentially be missing, and, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with some of the other players. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the rosters shake out and there'll be no doubt some snubs that uh, we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks. What we'll do tonight, though, Katie, given that we're, that we're at around about the 50-odd game mark, we're going to run through the, the awards. We haven't spoken about the awards as yet. So 
We'll start off with a with a granddaddy of them all, as I say, Caddy, the MVP. Who have you got? Uh, which I think is a very open race this year, more so than any other year we've seen, probably in the last five or six years. But who have you got at the moment, Caddy, sitting on top of your MVP ballot? Yeah, as you mentioned, I think this year probably more so than any that we can remember. I think going into you know fifty games or so into the season, it's probably as even um, a mix of players as we've seen, and I think it'll really take you know to the end of the season to shake it out and to see which which player kind of elevates his team as far up as possible because we've got a couple of the favourites there, obviously Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, um, and those type of players. Giannis as well uh, would probably be the, the, the top four guys you'd probably be looking to consider. All those guys have their teams in the playoff mix and it, it might just come down to which one that really gets on, on a streak as we go a bit further on. And at the moment, it's been Philadelphia that we've seen um, since the turn of the calendar year that have really got their got themselves in, in good order and they're on a four-game winning streak now. And that's really propelled them up in those eastern standings. They're up to third as we're currently talking at the moment. You know, not so long ago, they were really labouring in that sixth, seventh spot and sort of question marks around, um, you know, the out the outlook for Philadelphia going forward. But Joel Embiid certainly put put that team on his back and um, is just having a, an absolute historical season. So I'd probably have him right at the top of my list at the moment, um, just of the way that he's, you know, really come out of the gates um, in this calendar year in particular. And um, it's just almost single-handedly leading this team, you know, right up at, right up that Eastern Conference at the moment. And there's, you know, just some, some been some huge, huge statistical performances uh, from Embiid already um, this season. And, and, you know, it's just the question mark around Philadelphia, as we've spoken about the whole time, is just, you know, what, what they could possibly be doing or could do with that, um, that you know, $30 million salary slot that Ben Simmons is currently, you know, taking up at Embiid sort of, looking like he's not worried too much about that. He's happy to continue on and he's just putting up monster monster games night after night. And um, I saw a stat the other day, he scored 25-plus points in 17 straight games. Uh, this was the other day, and that was the longest streak by a seven-footer since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in 1972. So, so yeah. So Pretty handy to be in. Yeah, to be having this level of consistent performance for a guy that we know that's had, had his issues staying on the court in the past. He, he's really just... Uh, put in these monstrous numbers night after night, and um, I'd, I'd probably have him just ahead of Nikola Jokic at this stage for for the MVP. Yeah, that that's fair fair enough. As you said, that he the tear he's been on lately, it's close to thirty four and ten over about the last eighteen games. You mentioned the seventeen straight games with twenty five plus points. We're just seeing his career high in points and assists, so he's just taking his game to another level. We're seeing him rebound the ball on the defensive end, and. and number of times he's just dribbling the length of the court, in and out dribbles, you know, during Euro steps and throwing down little floaters or dunks. It's just incredible the level he's he's taken his game to. He's shooting nearly 39% from three as well. So he's the absolute complete package. But but just not on the on the offensive end. It's also the defensive end where he's arguably the most impactful defender in the NBA. You know, whether he does it sort of night after night or minute after minute, he's obviously asked to do a lot on the offensive end, which takes a lot of fuel out of his tank. But when he's locked in, he's arguably the most impactful defender in the NBA and, and obviously one of the best offensive players as well. So, yeah, he's been absolutely incredible to get to Philly to where they have, uh, as you said, right up to third in the East. No Simmons. Tobias Harris hasn't really had a really good season. He's He's been better off late, but he's certainly been under par for what you would hope from Tobias Harris. So, 
yeah, he's been outstanding. I just did have Nikola Jokic with his nose just in front. He's he's. Uh, numbers are very comparable uh, to last year. His rebounding's up by about three a game. The points and assists are virtually identical. His PER of 33 is actually the, the highest PER in the history of the NBA. Not that PER is obviously the, the be-all and end-all, of course, but uh, that just sort of illustrates the season, certainly on the offensive end, that Nikola Jokic is having. And he's definitely improved on the defensive end as well. So he's he's on track to have the highest defensive win shares of his career. It's very hard to sort of get a stat that sort of illustrates how good you are as a defender. But, you know, if, if you're on track to have your highest defensive win shares of your career, it certainly means you are improving on that on that end of the floor. Denver are now up to fifth in the West. They're 28 and 21. Given the fact that Jamal Murray hasn't even taken the court and Michael Porter Jr. took the court early in the season, was clearly playing it well below what he usually does. And we haven't seen him for most of the season as well. So... For, for Jokic to have Denver fifth in the West with so many guys out injured, I'll, I'll ask you a question, Caddy. Who do you think Denver's second highest scorer is this season? Uh, question without notice, but uh, would it be Will Barton, essentially? Very good guess, Will Barton. So he's averaging 15, close to 15 and a half points a game. So that, that's 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 uh, Nikola Jokic's best running mate on the offensive end is is Will Barton. So that just I think that illustrates how much he's carrying this team at the moment. You're, you're splitting absolute hairs for me between Jokic and Embiid, but I had Jokic just slightly on top. Who, who did you go with in that third in that third spot, Caddy? Because I think there's probably a, again a number of guys that you could have in that third spot. Yeah, look, I, I still think um, Giannis uh, would be in that slot for me again. Twenty eight point eight points. 11.3 rebounds, nearly six assists a game. And again, Milwaukee, probably just in that you know time of the season where they'll probably be looking to start mounting a, a more serious campaign to down the stretch of the season here. They're fifth in the in the East, 31 and 21, only two games out of the top spot. So it's right there for the taking for them. And and they've had a, you know, a bit of an interrupted start to the season with a few players missing significant time. But so I think you know, he, he, again, just year on year, has just become such an incredible player and his numbers are, are comparable to what he's put up in, in the past when he has won the MVP. So I think, um, you know, at this stage I'd have him probably just ahead of Steph Curry and, and probably Jar ja Morant would be my, my fifth selection at, at this point of the year. Yeah, I also went with Giannis in the third spot. They've been a little bit interesting, haven't they, Milwaukee? We've sort of been waiting for them to get going and they've, as you said, that they've had sort of injuries and, and interruptions and obviously Brooke Lopez hasn't taken the quarters yet, but they just haven't really got going at any stage. They've been pretty good when they've had Middleton, Giannis and Holiday on the court, but they've been sort of, you know, they they had a big loss today to Denver by 20 or 30 points or something in the end, I think it was. So, yeah, they're in an interesting spot. As you said, they're within striking distance, certainly, of, of the number one seed, but you know, you ran through there, Giannis's numbers. That, as you said, that they're virtually identical to last season and and previous seasons where he has won the MVP. You know, he's such a versatile defender. He's playing more of the five this year with that injury to Lopez that I spoke about. So, and in transition, he is the most devastating player. Just the way he can basically pick up his dribble from outside the three point line and be dunking it is just something that we've just never ever seen. So, and it's also good, Caddy, to see that he's. Free throw shootings up to 72%. So that was obviously a bit of a thorn in his side right through the playoffs, especially apart from that 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 uh, game six closeout where he was incredible from the line. But it looks like he's 
he's got some sort of routine that he's comfortable with and to be shooting 72% is certainly you know, something that uh, both him and Milwaukee would be very happy with. So, yeah, I, I had Giannis in that third spot. For me, I had Chris Paul in that fourth spot. Now, you spoke about Chris Paul uh, last week and you had him as a starter, didn't you, in, in your I Western did, Conference? Yeah. yeah, so he's he's been on an incredible tear of late. He's up to four straight games with 20 points uh, or more and his last two games he's had 33 assists and only four turnovers. He had 19 assists today in the win they had today. He's just been unbelievable. Phoenix are 40 and 9, st- still not even double-digit losses. They're, they're clearly first in the West. So, you know, there, there can certainly be the debate about Certainly, Devin Booker's having a, a fantastic season as well, but I think clearly this is a Chris Paul run team. You know, they're so good in the clutch. It's him. He slows the, the game down. He makes the right decisions, and he's the one that gets them across the line. And even though his numbers aren't the traditional big numbers that you see from uh, that an, from an MVP candidate, but you know, if you go back and look at uh, Steve Nash's numbers when he was winning his MVPs, like he was never a high point scorer either but it was just sort of recognized that he was the he was the straw that uh, was was stirring the drink for the Phoenix Suns and this is again Chris Paul doing that for the Phoenix Suns so I had him in fourth position and, and I guess Steph Curry probably just in fifth position now he he was the one that had the outstanding start to the season when uh, I think it's Tim Bontemps that does that the ESPN straw poll he's done that the last I don't know how many years now but at the halfway mark and Steph Curry was clearly the leader um, in that straw poll, and I think over the last few years, whoever's been in front of that straw poll at the halfway mark has gone on to win the MVP. But his numbers have just dropped off probably a little bit too much. Like he's, he's still having an outstanding season, almost twenty six points a game and and six a six assists. But you know, forty one percent from the field, thirty seven from from three, and ninety one from the line is great. But I mean, when it's so far down. Uh, on on what he usually produces, I think it's hard to sort of vote for somebody to be MVP, despite the fact that Golden State are thirty seven and thirteen, second in the West, they're having a great season. But I, I think Steph Curry's probably dropped off just enough uh, for me to to drop him down to fifth. Was there anybody outside your sort of top five caddy that you sort of want to give a shout out to, or you think might be able to play their way into the conversation in the back half of the season? Yeah, we mentioned Chris Paul, and I think Devin Booker's probably, you know, right alongside him, and that's probably where I knocked Chris Paul down, I think, a little bit in terms of single-handedly almost carrying a team like we're, we're seeing a little bit more with Joel Embiid and, and Nikola Jokic to to an extent. So, look, Kevin Durant would have been right in the mix prior to his injury. He may have even been been looked at as one of the favourites. He was leading the, well, leading the league in scoring percentage at the moment, having another, you know, outstanding year. And, and you know, we talk about, the, the big three that is and isn't there at, at Brooklyn at any given time. And, yeah, that, they, they're having a really interesting season. But Durant was obviously having a, a terrific year. DeMar DeRozan from my Chicago Bulls as well was he's probably not quite at that level of these other guys. But, again, just having a career season and, and someone that has been named as an all-star starter as well, and, and, and rightfully so. I think he's had, as we know, just an outstanding season, um, 26 points, five assists, five rebounds. So he'd be probably in that next rung of, of players that you'd, you'd look to probably acknowledge in, in some form around this discussion. Yeah, no doubt he's had an absolutely outstanding season. Yeah, Durant was the, was the one for me, as you said. If he, if he didn't get injured, he would have, he would have been right there. I mean, we've we got to give a shout-out to LeBron, don't we? I mean, he's, he's obviously out injured at the moment now. He's missed the last three games with knee soreness, which obviously a little bit concerning. Let's see 
how many games he does miss, but the numbers he he's putting up are just incredible. 29 points a game, almost eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's been absolutely outstanding. Obviously, the Lakers are disappointing, 24 and 27, but uh, we can certainly not hold that against LeBron James. So we'll move on now, Caddy, to the Rookie of the Year. This is probably sewn up, but, I mean, there's probably a couple of guys under the favourite that, that have had very good seasons. So who did you go with at the top of your Rookie of the Year race? Yeah, well, I think this one's, of all the awards, it'd be probably one of the more obvious ones, I think. Um, and that'll be Evan Mobley would be the outstanding candidate at this end of the season. I think even if he was to to go down now after 50 games, you'd almost still it'd be a, a really fair chance of probably still winning it. I think by the end of it, he's been outstanding coming in as a rookie straight into the starting lineup um, at Cleveland. Uh, we know they kind of came out with a bit of a funky starting lineup with the three bigs with Jared Allen there as well as Laurie Markkinen, and and they've just been hit from pillar to post all season. Cleveland with all sorts of different disruptions and. And they've been the team for me that just continues to to surprise, and you're just waiting for them to fall off a ledge. And and they've been, you know, really stoic and and, and you know pretty consistently um, playing great basketball. So they're currently in the fourth seed, thirty and twenty, won eight of their last ten games, and and Evan Mobley is just a, such a significant part of that. And some of the you know comparisons that we're starting to hear from from some of the commentators around um, former players, and there's been some Kevin Garnett. Uh, comparisons, a bit of Chris Bosch, um, Tim Duncan even. So there, there's been some big names flying around in terms of trying to find a comparison for this guy. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's been the one that's probably influenced winning the most out of all the rookies. And I think often, you know, it's not too too expected that the rookie will come in and, and really affect winning. And generally they're playing for a you know a team that's finished down the bottom the previous season. And they kind of get the licence to, to learn on the fly and, and make mistakes and take as many shots as they want. We've seen that with top draft picks in the past, and we're seeing it a little bit even with Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green and these type of guys that are they're playing for lesser teams. But the fact that Evan Mobley's come in playing a really significant role in a, in a winning team, for me, would, would certainly have him well in front of, of, of his competition. Oh, 100%. You, you nailed it there. It's just so rare for a rookie to come in and affect winning, winning particularly on the defensive end. Usually it's a, a very steep learning curve for a, for a rookie defender because they go from defending uh, college players who are nowhere near the athletes that the NBA players are, but he's been outstanding on that end and then has obviously been very good on the offensive end as well. So I won't go back over what you just said. He, he's been outstanding. I think clearly the, the the leader in the Rookie of the Year race at the moment. Cade Cunningham, for me, I've got him in, in second spot now. He obviously had a bit of a slow start and missed the first few games due to an ankle, an ankle injury, but he's been coming on off late particularly. He's Put up a couple of inefficient performances his last two games, but he's he's at 16 points a game, almost five and a half uh, rebounds and five and a half assists. Now the shooting numbers at 41, that might even be down after uh, today's performance. 33 from three and 84 percent. Detroit are now 12 and 37. So as you said, usually these top top draft picks don't come into winning situations. So I'm certainly not going to hold that against Cade Cunningham. But as I said, you, you can just see him coming on late. He's he's getting more comfortable. He, he's he's looking very comfortable late in games. They're giving they're giving him the ball late in games, and he just he plays at his, at his own speed. Now he's not an absolutely super athlete, but I guess similar to like a, a Luka Doncic style player. Now I'm not saying he's he's that good a player, but he plays in in his vein in that he that he he doesn't get sped up. He plays at his own speed. He, he's he's a big guard, so he can get his his shot off. He's very physical. He can he can take the ball in the key, and he's not 
afraid to shoot from the outside as well. So I think after what was obviously a bit of a slow start to the season, Detroit would no doubt be very happy with with this back half. Well, you know, since Cade Cunningham got going, probably the last 20-odd games, they'd be very happy with what they've seen from Cunningham. How have you rated his season, Caddy? Have you got him in that second spot or did you have maybe a Scotty Barnes ahead of him? Yeah, look, I think, you know, obviously he came out slowly. He missed the start of the season. He's sort of working into his form, I think. And as the season goes on, he's, you know, I think he'll continue to improve. Um, and we've seen glimpses of, of that. You articulated that pretty well. The shooting numbers, obviously, there's a lot of room for improvement. But that's the least of the worries, I think, at this stage from, from a Detroit point of view. They'd be happy that he's, you know, just getting out there and, and getting plenty of minutes and opportunities to, to learn on the fly. So, yeah, look, he'd be right in there with Scotty Barnes, and I think Josh Giddy's the other guy that we're watching closely in terms of from an Australian point of view, who's again the shooting's probably the biggest problem, just shooting at forty percent, twenty six percent from three. So if he can get those numbers, you know, up to a up to a much better level, then you know he, he can become a, a mid teen scorer up to the high teens potentially, and then we know he's a, a terrific rebounder and playmaker, so his assists and rebounding numbers are always going to be there, Josh Giddy. But I think if he can get that scoring. Um, up, which he will do once he, you know, starts um, shooting at a more efficient rate. So, but I think, yeah, I think by, by the time the season comes to a conclusion, I think Cade Cunningham, that scoring average might be, you know, pushing closer up to, you know, the twenty point a game mark, which I think is really um, realistic. And then at that point, you know, it'd be very hard to see um, him, you know, falling past probably that second slot in, in the Rookie of the Year running. Scotty Barnes has come in; he probably came out of the gates um, as good as anyone from the rookie class, but. Yeah, and I think Toronto, again, have surprised me a little bit the way that they've fought, fought on this season. And, and Scotty Barnes has, has been a guy that's been pretty integral to, to their mix as well. So it's been a really strong rookie group this year. Jalen Green has been in and out of that Houston lineup, But again, they, they've got high hopes on him. They've invested so heavily in him, really, in that second pick when you know there was clearly a lot of buzz around the potential, particularly around Evan Mobley. So you know he's got a, a lot to live up to there in Houston, Jalen Green. And, um, hopefully he can get some some more reps in as as the season goes on. So in terms of a, a overall rookie class, this is um, turning out to be quite a quite a strong one. Um, from a Chicago point of view, you know it's, it's hard seeing Franz Wagner uh, in Orlando playing you know so well as well. He, he's having a, a sneaky good season there for the Magic, and that's that pick um, that that came from the Bulls in the Nikola Vukovic trade last year. So that's been a, a win for for the Magic there and. That said, um, the Bulls did find uh, a bit of a diamond in the rough in the second round there with Ao Dosunmu, who's um, been, been great, playing. hasn't he? Yeah, he, he's been playing there with the opportunities presenting with um, Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso being out of the lineup. So he, he's giving them a bit of um, bit of spunk there in that starting lineup at the moment for the Bulls, and and he's been a, probably the best find out of the second round. I, I'd suggest at this at this stage. Oh, he certainly has. I think he had ten or eleven assists in, in the. In the wind yeah. today, so yeah, he, he's been great. You mentioned Franz Wagner. He, I mean, he's had 20, uh, 20 or more points eleven times. So yeah, that that, that was certainly a great pick uh, by the Orlando Magic. We've also seen Jalen Suggs come on um, recently too. He was out for tw- he missed twenty odd games with an injury, but he's actually been better since he came back. So whether he was sitting on the sidelines and was able to sort of see some things and sort of and get back and, and put that into practice. But he's certainly been much better since he came back from that injury. So as you said, there's been a, a number of really good rookies. It's It's been a it's been a great class. Um, jo- Josh Giddy for me, when you know you, you ran through his numbers there, the shooting at 40, 40% from the field, 20, 26% from three and 66% from the line, 
it's just eerily similar to what we said about Ben Simmons, isn't it, when he came into the league. He's great size. He's a great passer. You know, we, we just got to hope that he's got more of a, I don't know, if it's dedication or more of a will and a want to improve his offensive game because we don't sort of want to be sitting back in two or three years and going, geez, if, if only Josh Giddy got a jump shot, he'd be a good player. So I'm really interested to see how Giddy goes over the next couple of seasons and whether he can actually improve at the offensive end uh, where, where Ben Simmons hasn't been able to do that. But you, you sort of touched on Jalen Green. Would, would you say he's been disappointing or is it just sort of, you know, one of those things where it's one of those rookies who's a little bit inefficient, he's certainly shown he's an outstanding athlete, some of the dunks he's been throwing down. Do you still see a bright future for him or do you think he's been just a little bit disappointing? Well, I think he's been disappointing. Again, the, sh- uh, the shooting that we, we, we've been talking about here for some of these rookies, the shooting for Jalen Green's, you know, 37% from the field, 29% from three. So that's that's really, really poor there. Um, but look, he's got good size, great at athleticism. He's playing in a you know, really terrible situation, really, in Houston. But they're going to give him all that opportunity. As I said, there, there's a real – I feel a bit of pressure there on that pick to, to really work out um, because, you know, really last year's tank job turned into that, that high pick there. And, um, yeah, they – as we've seen, Evan Mobley, what he's doing in Cleveland. But but Jalen Green, I think you'd say he's been slightly disappointing. He's still averaging the 14 points a game, so that's nothing to, to sneeze at. And as you mentioned, he's missed um, quite a lot of games as well. He only played in the 34 starts. So there's certainly some opportunity there. And that, you know, and then a few other rookies that are a bit further down in terms of the pecking order for the Rookie of the Year, but I think have showed great flashes as none other than um, Jonathan Kaminga in, in Golden State. I think he's the guy that people are looking at as, you know, could become anything really from this draft class, and it's just going to be needs to wait for a bit more opportunity in that Golden State lineup, and he'd be someone they'd be really, really excited about. I've liked what I've seen out of Cam Thomas in Brooklyn and the opportunities he's needed when they've needed some scoring. Does, um, doesn't mind taking time. a shot, does he? No, he's, he's, he's certainly willing to <laughs> to light it up from wherever he can, and and that shows great confidence. And I think um, that's something Brooklyn's going to need from time to time. Another guy that they can go to. Um, Sen Goon in, in Houston as well has shown some, some good signs. So, yeah, across the board, it's it's been quite exciting um, to, to see this class. Chris Duarte in, in Indiana, you know, he was probably the start of the season, came out as hot as anyone. So, yeah, plenty of talent in this. Herb Jones this, for the Pelicans, um, great defender. You know, he looks like one of those players that you want to put around Zion. So I think that was a great get for the Pelicans too. Absolutely, yeah. So encouraging start to the career for many of these guys. And um, But I think in terms of the rookie of the year, I'd say even if Evan Mobley went down in the next week or two and didn't play again, I think it'd be hard to overtake him in this year's race. Well, he certainly would be, Caddy. So we'll move on now to the the sixth man of the year, and I reckon you've probably got uh, one of the gorilla staple at the top of this list. Well, he did get traded from the Gorillas the other day in a in a drunken oh, uh, in a drunken trade, no. um, which um, I miss that. Who was that for? Who'd you training for? Well, I traded him for the rights to Daniel Gafford, who now finds himself uh, <laughs> as a free agent. You and, didn't, uh, did you? Big, and big beef stew. So oh, okay. I took, um, I tried to batten out the centre rotation in the, in our lineup, and thought we could, um, you know, it was a bit of a luxury having what Tyler Hero was bringing to the table. But that was before Lonzo Ball got injured, and then now Shaker with just Alexander. So it's oh, been no. a, an absolute shit show, really, in the last couple of weeks. And and if I had my time again, I clearly wouldn't have pushed that. Trade accept button at about quarter to eleven after about twelve two of Was that was that so, figs that got you at a vulnerable time? Yeah, yeah, he got gotcha. me at a vulnerable well, time. I think he, he he picks his picks his moments and um, yeah, just puts that subtle bit of pressure on you to to, to get something done to live yeah. up the league. And and sure enough, I um 
I'll let my guard down there. But uh, Tyler Harrow for me, the sixth man of the year, is be, w- w- I think would be um, a really safe selection at, at this point of the season. He obviously had, had his little run of COVID just recently, but um, yeah, back in the lineup and and he's been you know so instrumental to everything that Miami has been able to do this year in the face of a hell of a lot of adversity and the fact that they you know found themselves at the top of the East is. Um, yeah, quite outstanding. And but Tyler Hero, 20 points a game coming off the bench primarily. He started only the 10 out of the 41 games, and that was more out of um, necessity with the injuries um, to a lot of their other players. But um, no, he, he'll go back to that role um, as the sixth man for them and, and just gives them outstanding you know, scoring punch off, off the bench. Um, as we mentioned a few times last year, there was a bit of a dip, we think, in that sophomore year on the back of his great rookie playoff uh, performance. But uh, he's certainly back to all guns blazing now. And, He's been giving plenty of scoring punch all year for for the Miami Heat. He certainly has, and yeah, it's, the thing with Hero is he's actually the guy they put the ball in the hands at the end of the game, which is surprising, given how good Butler is, you know, right throughout the game. But in that game, I think it was yesterday, the the game that went to three overtimes against Toronto, it was it was Hero who who had the ball in his hands late. Now he he got a pretty good shot at it at the end of the second overtime and come up short with a little floater, which was disappointing. And he had a couple of three-pointers sort of rim out. So, yeah, he, he's very confident. He, he didn't have a great game against Toronto, but he still wasn't shy about firing away late in that game. So you, you ran through his numbers. He's clearly on top for me. An, an outstanding season for, for Miami, who are, who are sitting atop of the East. So well done to Tyler Hero and a great season so far. I had Kelly Oubre uh, in second spot. Uh, he's played the 45 games. He started 10 of them, again, similar to Hero. That was through necessity when when Charlotte had some injuries and some COVID-related absences. But he's he's just one of those absolute buckets when he comes off the bench. He's at almost 17 points a game, four rebounds, almost uh, one and a half steals, 45, 37, 66 splits. But the incredible thing is he hit 10 three-pointers against Indiana during the week. Now, unfortunately... Uh, for the power and the key fantasy team, I actually had him sitting on the bench when he did that, which was really annoying. But so he's he's had a game where he's hit ten three pointers, he's hit nine threes once and seven three pointers three three times uh, throughout the season. So he's just the typical you know six man of the year candidate, similar to like a, a Clarkson or a Jamal Crawford or a Lou Williams in the past that can just come off the bench and. Just absolute instant offense. He, he's been outstanding, and one of the reasons that the Charlotte Hornets sit at twenty eight and, and uh, twenty three this season. Yeah, and no, he's really reinvented himself. He had a really questionable year, I suppose, when you look at what he did in Golden State last year. Just didn't really fit into what they were trying to do, whether it was just a game sense thing or something like that, and, and wasn't the right fit there. But um, yeah, he's found a really niche role there in Charlotte, and yeah, all credit to him to. You know, it's what what you'd probably call a bit of a bounce back uh, year for him in a, in a different role, and and certainly something that you know you can really project out and, and see that he could be yeah quite successful at moving forward. He's got another year under contract there in Charlotte next year, so they'll be quite happy with with the money he's earning, just the twelve million a year. So look, the the other bloke I'd like to shout out in this category is none other than uh, Kevin Love, who's um yep. you know I don't think not, don't think he's going to win the award by any stretch, but another guy that's had to you know realistically reinvent himself in terms of being able to try and get on the court court here in Cleveland and, and c- c- contribute something to this team, whereas, you know, those last two years have been, you know, pretty ordinary, well, last three years, really, since the, those championship NBA finals runs. So, 
now he's been able to you know play a role coming off the bench. Um, he's only started two of their his forty two games he's played, only averaging the twenty one minutes a game, which is you know a fair way down on say Tyler Harrow who's averaging the thirty three minutes. Kelly Oubre, uh, where he, uh, he he's averaging the twenty eight minutes, so he's playing less time on court, but still averaging fourteen points a game, seven rebounds in that time. So you know his per per thirty six numbers are you know, really really good and. and you know, and as long as he's able to continue to to shoot the three ball at a, at a decent clip, then he's gonna, you know, I think I think he's really found something that he can continue his career uh, longer term for in, in that type of role, and, and has done himself certainly no favours, um, whether it's down the track in terms of a trade or even you know staying, well at least seeing his contract down in Cleveland, which runs all the way through to the end of next year. So he's given himself both those opportunities. I think where other teams may now see. Um, that he can play a particular role for them and he may be even happy to do it coming off the bench, whereas that was certainly not the case um, as, as, as soon as last year. So, yeah, really um, good turnaround season here for, for Kevin Love. And, and, you know, not not so much statistically versus what he's done in his career, but, you know, still shooting you know, that 14.7 boards, 40% from three uh, in limited time, um, I think's um, been a really, really outstanding performance and another reason why, you know, Cleveland have been so successful so far this season. Oh, no doubt. He's been very influential on, on the Cavs' uh, outstanding season so far. It's probably been his best season since 2017-18 when he was an All-Star. So, you know, we, we heard all the stories about last year, how, how unhappy he was, and we saw him sort of throwing the ball away and throwing it to some of his teammates with disdain. So, yeah, no, no doubt that, you know, them being a, a a more competitive team and the fact I think Ricky Rubio coming back into the fold, even though he's injured at the moment, him and and Kevin Love had a really good um, chemistry when they played for Minnesota together. So it, it's sort of a, a few things combining for, for Love to enjoy his season more. But he, he's certainly been a, a very big contributor uh, for Cleveland. The other guy for me was, was Montrezl Harrell, who's always a, a a candidate for sixth man of the year. He's, he's been very good again for Washington at 14 points a game, seven rebounds, 65% from the field. I mean, Washington have certainly slipped of late. They're 23 and 26 down to the 11th seed. And, uh, Montrez Harrell is actually a free agent in the offseason, so we'll, we'll talk potential trades next week, but he could be one that could be on the move by this trade deadline if they don't sort of start picking themselves up over the next week or so. But he, he's another guy that comes off the bench and just gives energy. He's he, That's what you want off the bench. You want them to be able to sort of change the flow if, if you've got off to a, a poor start, and that's something that, that Montrez Harrell does night in, night out. We'll move on now, Caddy, to most improved, which is always a a bit of an interesting award, whether you, you give it to, you know, a second or third year player that's taken a step up that uh, that you normally would see. But for me, I actually went with Jar Morant because I, I thought it's really hard to take a step up from from being a, a good player. Now, obviously, Jar Morant last year was was a very good player still. Like, he, he didn't make the All-Star team or anything, but he certainly had a, was a very good player. But this year, he's he's taking a, a massive step up to, to being, obviously, an, an All-Star starter as we we announced earlier on in the show. Um and, and you had him you had him I think in your MVP, didn't you? You said you had him fifth or something. Yeah, I had him fifth, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so and obviously uh, Memphis Grizzlies have been a, a huge surprise packet. They're up to third in the West with absolutely nobody saw coming leading into the season. So it, as I said, it, it's one of those interesting awards where they, whether you go with j- just sort of the natural improvement from a, from a second or third year player, or you go with a guy like Jar Morant. He's jumped up from 19 points a game to 26 
last year. So th- that's a pretty significant jump to be able to jump up seven points a game. You know, the, the field goal percentage has gone up from 45 to 49. The three-point shooting from 30 to 36. So everything's uh, pointing up. And, uh, yeah, you know, we've spoken about him a number of times during the season, how fun he is to watch. So I, I went with Jar Morant as the most improved player. Caddy, who did you have on top of your most improved list? Yeah, look, I'd probably shied away from that a little bit, but I'd certainly take the point. I think, yeah, if you're looking at the, the improvement year on year, um, yeah, he's right up there in terms of what he's been able to do. I think I, I sort of look at him as, you know, he was already kind of their team leader. He still is their team leader. and But, yeah, the statistical increase and, and what he's been able to really elevate himself into now uh, more than more than even just an all-star caliber player, like an all-star starter, MVP conversation um, has, has been, you know, incredible to watch. I think the, the two guys I'd probably have, you know, in that rung maybe below them if, if you're looking at it, you know, from the odds point of view would be uh, Darius Garland. I think, you know, not so much statistically improved. He was, he's gone from the 17 points last year, the 19.8. But I just think the way he's gone about it this year in terms of being a more of a, you know, the, the stats are actually meaning something a little bit more um, in terms of what he's doing because of the way that they're playing and the way that he's linking in with Evan Mobley and, and becoming... Just more in command, isn't he? Absolutely, and you know, I think you know, being split out a little bit from Colin Sexton's really put the shine on on Darius Garland, and I think you know he'll be right in that All Star conversation when when those picks are made. Um, whether it, you know, probably more realistically, maybe as a replacement player being the game in Cleveland if he doesn't quite make the team. So that that's the sort of level he's elevated himself to. And even though, as I said, statistically it hasn't jumped up from a scoring point of view a huge amount, I think just the fact that it's what it's meaning for for that team at the moment, I think. Um, has been outstanding. And the other guy I'd probably throw in there um, is John Morant's teammate, Desmond Bain, who's um, only in his second season. So it, it's it's not unusual to kind of see that type of growth in, in the second season, but going from nine points a game last year to 17.8 this year. And and, and really, um, until Jaron Jackson Jr. just more recently has sort of, you know, really come on, he was probably the second banana there for a, a fair portion of the season in Memphis. And, and um, yeah, just watching this team grow together um, and improve all in the same timeline, I think, is um, going to bode really well for Memphis, not just this year, but um, certainly moving forward over the next um, three to four seasons. Yeah, no doubt. I, I had Bain in, in my third spot. He's been a staple of my fantasy team this year as well. So he started every game that he's that he's played this year. Last year he played 68 games and only started 17. So he's, yeah, he's certainly, his usage has jumped up from 16.1 to 23. So he's getting more opportunities, but his efficiency is basically exactly the same as it was last year. So for, for a player to be able to increase their, their usage and scoring and still be as efficient as they were, full credit to Desmond Bain. Uh, Miles Bridges for me is the other one. So he's jumped up from 12.7 points a game up to 20 points a game. The rebounding's up, the assisting's up. The you know the, the percentages are pretty similar. Actually, the three point percentages come down of late, but he's he's been absolutely outstanding. And he was one that bet on himself in the off season. They offered him a contract. I think it might have been around four years, sixty odd million. Um, and he and he rejected that, which probably was a little bit surprising, given that you know when you're coming off a season where you average you know just under thirteen points a game and six rebounds. I mean that's not you know that's not huge numbers, but for him to bet on himself and and play as well as he has in his fourth season, he, he's probably going to command somewhere between eighty to a hundred million, I'd reckon now. So full credit to to Miles Bridges for betting on himself and coming out and having a an outstanding season. Uh, the other one for me is. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, Anthony Simons. Now, we've been sort of waiting for him 
He's he's also in his fourth season, similar to Miles Bridges. We've been waiting for him now for a number of seasons to sort of take that jump and more so of late than anything since uh, certainly since Dane Lillard's gone down with injury and we saw CJ McCollum as well go down with injuries. More opportunities obviously has presented itself for, for Simons and he's really come on. The, the, the season numbers, almost 16 points a game, up from just under eight last year. So he's doubled his, his points a game. The... The efficiencies, you know, from the field's gone up. The, the three-point uh, shooting's very similar. We, we've seen him have some big assist games as well. So I, I think this is what Portland were waiting to see from Simons, and they've probably now got themselves a piece that they want to hold on to and, and certainly probably make CJ McCollum a bit more expendable. So for me, Simons was the other one that I, I wanted to shout out. Was there anyone else, Caddy, that you wanted to, 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 to discuss for the most improved? Oh, not real. Look, I think Anthony Edwards has, has had a terrific season and, and he'll just continue to improve year on year, hopefully, at this stage. I mean, do you, do you say that DeMar DeRozan's had, a, had an improved season? Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's certainly won the elevated his game uh, to, a, to a new level for sure. Cole Kuzma's probably another one as well that's had more opportunity to show what he can do. And and, and to Jonte Murray, um, a guy in San Antonio, who's, as I mentioned, he was just outside my All-Stars for, for the season, and I think, you know, coming off a serious injury as well, he, he's proven again while uh, San Antonio, you know, made that investment into him longer term. Yeah, he, he was another one that uh, was just on the outside for me as well. He, he's had a great season. So we'll finish now, Caddy, with the Defensive Player of the Year, and who have you gone with in that award? Uh, well, I think uh, let's let's hope Roman Green comes back relatively soon because I think if he does, it, it's his award to lose. Um, I think up until the point where he, he wasn't playing, he was certainly showcasing that he was the guy in this department that that was doing so much at that end in that Golden State team and, and just basically being everywhere and anywhere for for, for his team like we expect him to be. But um, just having him back out on the floor, um, motivated, healthy and fit, um, I think it, to the point where he, he got injured and, and started missing games would have been the favourite. Rudy Gobert is going to be there in the conversation, obviously, as well. But I think, assuming Draymond comes back in the near future, I think it'll be um, his award to lose. Yeah, I agree with that. Golden State are the, the first-ranked defence. Draymond Green's first in defensive box plus minus and defensive rating. As I said earlier, the, the defensive advanced stats are really hard to sort of capture who the best defenders are. But if, if you're ranking first in, in a couple of those stats, I think it sort of illustrates how good you are. Rudy Gobert, for me, as you said, is the, the one challenging him. He, he leads the league in rebounding, which is obviously a part of defending. The defensive possession isn't over until you get the rebound, so that, that's important. Uh, he's second in the league in blocks at almost two and a half blocks a game. He's second in defensive win shares, fourth in defensive rating. Now, Utah are only 11th in defensive rating, which is a little bit of a surprise, but I think that sort of more illustrates their their sort of holes they have on, on, the, on the perimeter with some of their other defenders more so than Rudy Gobert. So I think he's had an outstanding season. And for me, Giannis is the other player as well that you probably need to look at. Now, Milwaukee, again, only ninth on defense, but but he's outstanding. He he defends legitimately one through five. He's As I said earlier, he's been playing a lot of center this year due to the fact that Brook Lopez has been out. He's third in defensive box plus minus and six in defensive win shares. So he's an outstanding defender who can, who can pretty much lock down anyone on any given night. So that was the, the top three that I went with, Caddy. No, all, all uh, fair fair selections. And, um, you know, I think Jaron Jackson's the guy that's going to come with a, a storm Jeez, on the he, way home He's here. blocking everything inside at the moment, yeah. isn't he? 
and he's just got that game. I think if he can continue to improve, then he'll be in this conversation for for years on end. Um, and Evan Mobley's going to be the other guy that's going to be on his coattails, uh, following him into these discussions as their careers continue. Share to Ozzy Matisse Thibault as well, who we know is just a menace at that end with his long arms and versatility. He's always a tough guy for even the star players to shake offensively. So, um, yeah, Matisse Thibel, uh sort of a shout-out to him in this department. Got to give the Aussies a shout-out, Caddy, when we can. So we'll yeah, call we'll it talk, there. Talking about, well, yeah, no, go for about, it. You're going to talk about Joe Ingles, about, yeah? Yeah, talking about Aussies, it's, um, it did not look good, the vision uh, no, for Joe all. today in that um, going into the basket with his Euro step that we that we is so famous for. He just, yeah. Knee went out from underneath him and prayers up. Yeah, yeah, prayers up for that MRI tomorrow. But I think um, it'd be a pretty big surprise if the result doesn't come back as a, a torn ACL. I think with that one, and um, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. Obviously, you know, not just for for Joe this season being out, but what that means for Utah. And you know, we know, you know, on the box score, he, he's not always delivering big numbers. But I think what he does for that team in terms of their structure and um, off court enthusiasm and, and locker room. Uh, type of stuff is pretty important, but also for Joe individually moving forward, he's out of contract after this season, so it'd be really interesting to see what that means for him longer term, and and whether we you know whether we see Joe Ingles at his best ever again in the NBA, and and what type of deal that might even lead to next year if if there's one at all forthcoming. Yeah, well, if if that's as bad as what it looked, and it's a season-ending knee injury, I'd be absolutely staggered if he isn't traded at the trade deadline. So, with with the trade deadline coming up, Caddy, we'll next week we'll get into uh to quite a few uh, sort of trades that we'd like to see happen. But yeah, as you said, prayers up for for Joe Ingles, and uh, we'll obviously have a bit of a discussion about him next week when we know exactly uh, the diagnosis on that. But uh, it certainly didn't look good at all. But as I said, Caddy, we'll call it there. Thanks to everybody who continues to download this podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts as yet and given us a five-star rating, please do so. That would be much appreciated. We also have the Facebook page going, so if you want to like that, we post the episodes on there every week. Until next week, we'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.